Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Bixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Bixie Supply and Baker Metalworks are proud to be your metal roofing headquarters for over 40 years. Save time and money by buying from the most reliable manufacturer on the Gulf Coast. If you buy it today, you pick it up today. They offer 20 Sherwin-Williams colors to choose from, and a 40-year warranty. Baker Metal and Dixie Supply, two names, same great service. With the addition of their new store in Cantonment, Florida, they now have eight locations to serve you. Dixie Supply and Baker Metal Works, your metal roofing headquarters. And also brought to you by Alabama Farmers Co-op. From backyard gardening to large-scale farming and everything in between, your local co-op has what you need to be successful. Since 1936, Alabama Farmers Cooperative has provided high-quality products and friendly service to community members and local farmers. With over 60 locations to serve you and 85 years of experience, you can count on the co-op. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.alafarm.com. I'm your host, Joe Baye, here today with Clint Flowers and Butch Theory. Guys, this week we're talking about choosing the best deer feeder there's a lot to think about here and you wouldn't really think there would be. I mean, sounds pretty simple, right? Feeding deer, but I think there's a lot of factors in that too, as far as, I mean, you know, we just got legal here in Alabama as far as feeding deer. Yeah. So I think, you know, when things come out to the market, it's just, you know, people want more and more and more. So I think that's why, that's why there's so many variations and sizes and styles and yeah, I mean, you can get in the weeds as, as deep as you want. Well, it's and just, like, yeah, I mean, why do I need a full featured feeder. I can just go get a feeder, right? Fill it up with something and stick it out there. But then you do that for a season and you start to see all the, well, that didn't work, right? Realize how much money you wasted. That's on. annoying. Yeah. And oh, sure. uh, well, that's broken. And now the whole thing's broken. And so today we're going to be getting into what you need to think about if you're in the market for some feeders, um, really based on the time of year that you're feeding, uh, the type of animals you want to feed and don't want to feed, and just some common annoyances that that happen and maybe some solutions that are out there for it. To do that, we're going to be talking to Kevin Cloda with Bruiser Farms. They deal in MB Ranch King hunting blinds and deer feeders. Kevin, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do over there at Bruiser Farms and kind of where y'all cover and what you cover. Hey guys, I appreciate you having me back on. I work for Bruiser Farms and MB Ranching. Uh, we sell hunting blinds and feeders. We've got uh, pretty much anything you could need to get uh, your outfit set up for any kind of hunting. We got permanent blinds, trailer blinds, protein feeders, corn feeders. We've got anything for a weekend warrior or a professional outfitter. So we can really get you set up for whatever it is that you need. You know, when it comes to feeders, there's a lot of, there's really a lot that you need to think about if you're planning on putting some of these on your property. I know right now, Clint, I'm sure you're dealing with this, but I haven't talked to you about it. I've definitely been talking back and forth with Butch about it, but you know, we got a lot of hogs on our property. They're doing a pretty good job of eating most of the summer food that I've planted for my deer. I would like to provide my deer some nutrition that the hogs cannot get to. That's one consideration is just some of those well, un and, unwanted. Uh, well, and yes, I am having this problem now with hogs, but I was not having this problem three right. or four years ago. So it's a totally different ballgame in my place. Yeah. And you've sent me some pictures here recently with hogs up in your. Oh, yeah. Three feet feeders, off the ground. I got you know, the back oh, yeah. front paws up in there. Yeah. Just, yeah. So there's one consideration side of it is, you know, growing up in meat that did not allow a supplemental, you know, really didn't allow baiting and they, they didn't allow supplemental feeding during the season. That 
that has changed. Those, those laws have changed. And so then I'm going, well, shoot, I really don't know if I need a broadcast feeder, gravity feeder. You know, what Butch is talking about is like an old cattle trough type feeder. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to kind of dissect when it comes to thinking about what feeder is going to be best if you're planning on putting these on your property. So first, let's just really break down the different types of deer feeders that that are out there. What what do you guys produce and, and what do you not produce and why? So we've got a, a little bit of everything. We've got your, your broadcast feeders, which basically have a motor in the bottom of them. And what happens is at certain times of the day, uh, whenever you want feed to be you know, dispensed to feed your wildlife, it will throw some feed out, uh, whether it be corn or a pelletized uh, item or, or something along those lines, it'll throw out. And so ours, you can set to go off up to six times a day and you can throw for up to 30 seconds. So if you want to throw five seconds worth of corn out to help feed your deer, even if you are trying to bait your hogs or whatever the case may be, you can do that. There are other types like gravity feeders. So there's a couple different types of gravity feeders. There are some that still work off of a timer and at the same kind of deal with a broadcast feeder at certain times, it'll drop some feed down. It'll either drop it into an opening, like at the end of a pipe, or it'll drop it down into a trough. Trough feeder, like you were talking about with Butch, are pretty popular in, in some areas because it's basically just a big pot and you, you put your, your feed in there. And most of the time you cover that up to keep ran stuff off of it. The, the benefits of having the trough feeder or the gravity feeder in a lot of cases is the feed is out there consistently. The problem is the feed is out there consistently and anything and everything can eat it. So if, if you want to keep from losing feed, whether it be from it getting wet or from a non-target species eating that feed, uh, the best way to do that is to put it on some sort of timer to keep unwanted species out. So you, you kind of, you know, hit on it there. You've, you've got broadcast type, you've got gravity type, you've got trough type feeders. If you're wanting to prevent moisture from getting on that feeder, or excuse me, getting on that feed, a, a trough style feeder is going to not do as good of a job. So that might lead you into more of a, of a gravity style or a broadcast style. What other considerations would you have that would push you into one type or another? Uh, really, it comes down to what type of feed you're running. You know, a lot of people, when they're baiting their deer and hogs like that, especially during deer season, feeding mostly corn because corn is a, is a great attractant. It's, it's basically candy for deer. So when you throw corn, some people do put it into a trough, but it's just as effective, you know, them picking it up off the ground, your pelletized feed, like your protein pellets and what like that, uh, don't work through a lot of these, um, spin feeders quite as much the broadcast feeders. Some of them aren't very dense. And because of that, they essentially will just powderize whenever they go through the machine and once they turn into a powder or break up into small pieces, the deer won't eat them. And you're wasting your time and money, essentially, which is something you don't want to do because uh, pelletized feeds are more expensive than, you know, your standard corn would be. And yeah. I would think, too, when you think about like maybe the, even the time of year, like right now, I'm getting a lot of velvet bucks on my cameras. They're obviously forming their antlers right now. This would be a time of the year I would want them, if, if, if I'm feeding for the purposes of helping them grow healthier antlers or, and I'm feeding does for the purposes of helping them, you know, lactate and produce plenty of milk for these fawns that they're dropping right now, I want those deer to have 24-7 access as much as they want of that feed 
versus you get this much per day. Whereas if I'm in hunting season and I'm wanting to maybe use that feeder to help me pinpoint those times. Yeah. Time yeah. You know, I'm going to want them to come out during the daylight hours. I want to give them enough feed to make it attractive, but not so much that they can just wait till dark and spend all night out there. That would make a lot of sense too. What about the size of the feeder? What would make you choose one? Y'all, y'all make several different capacities, right? What, what would make you choose one of those capacities over the other? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to, before I go into the capacity, I'm going to, I'm going to take a half step back and, and kind of build off of what you were saying about just the availability of the feed all the time. So I have a background in working on, you know, deer farms and I have a background in, in wildlife management through my education. So during times of the year, when you see the growing and the fawning, all that kind of stuff, you know, does and bucks for nutrition this time of year. So your protein uh, requirements are higher. Uh, typically speaking inside your, um, your high fences and stuff like that, you're going to have somewhere around 18 to 22, 24% protein. Now at a, at a certain clip, you start wasting that because the body just can't take up enough of that, that feed, that, that protein, all that, those minerals and stuff. So switch that off after the fawns drop and after the antlers and all that kind of stuff harden up and you can back off and go down to 15, 16%. But during this time of the year, you are correct. You're definitely going to want to feed something that's higher value than just corn. And they do make, you know, mixes that have soybeans and stuff like that mixed in with corn that are higher value, but will still have the same uh, drawing effect like the corn would. Kevin, I want to bring you back to talking about those gravity feeders. I was actually looking at an article that you did yesterday in Great Days Outdoors. And it seems like you guys and Joe was talking about keeping the, I think both of y'all were talking about keeping the pellets dry and how important that is. Tell us a little bit about the makeup and uh, how those, I guess a picture will be better, but we can get it done here. seems like you guys have got the extra down pat for those gravity feeders and they seem super tight. And tell us a little bit about the, uh, how those deer eat out of that. How does it not come out all the time? Yeah. So our, our feeders are kind of uh, uh, the hybrid that I was talking about earlier. They do have a trough, uh, but they're on a timer. So you do want to have feed out there a lot for when they're growing, but you also want to be able to control because if you just keep dumping food out, some of it's going to get wasted from, you know, non-target species coming in there and eating it or spilling it onto the ground and then the deer don't eat it. So what you can do is you can keep track of how much feed is being fed to your wildlife by having it on that timer. You can set it to go off for, you know, five seconds and then scoop all that up, put it into a bucket, weigh it and say, okay, we'll have five seconds. They're eating this much stuff. If I set this thing to go off six times a day at five seconds ago, I know exactly how much feed they're eating per day. And then I can increase it or decrease it, you know, as needed. The way that we keep our uh, feed dry is on one of our models, uh, the Mighty Midget Protein Feeder, uh, we have a rain guard that is an optional feature that can be uh, bolted on. And what that does is it keeps some of the rain from getting off of the feed because that pelletized stuff, if it gets wet, a lot of times it'll congeal into a big, I call it a cookie, but it's really just a big rock of feed that the deer can't chew on and break off pieces. So they just leave it. And if it gets wet and it turns into that big cookie and they don't eat it, then it starts to gum up your machines and then you're wasting time and money again on, on stuff that's just not helped at all. Guys, let's take a quick break and hear from this week's sponsors. Fatanas Defense, Masters of Darkness, is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Fatana 16 millimeter filmless 4G image intensifier tubes 
and their hybrid filmless 18 millimeter image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16 millimeter monocular, the PD Pro B 16 millimeter binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Patanus Defense, Masters of Darkness. And also brought to you by First South Farm Credit. First South can help you finance or refinance that perfect piece of land. To find out how First South can help you, visit their website at firstsouthland.com or call them at 800-955-1722. They are an equal housing lender. So going back to what you're saying about the size of these feeders, you know, my place is about three hours away from my house. So that's definitely going to be a factor in me choosing the type of feeder and also the capacity. So just uh, let's go back to that capacity talk if you don't mind. Yeah. So the, the capacity, that's that's another thing. There's a couple of reasons why all of our feeders are high capacity feeders. So when you have high capacity, you spend less time filling, more time getting other things done. You also are able to have less disturbance with your wildlife. You're not driving in there as much and disturbing everything, mm. potentially running stuff off of your food plots, running people or, you know, animals out of your area, all that kind of stuff. So we like to have a higher capacity to help you out, to help the wildlife out. And, you know, that way you don't, you just don't have to spend as much time doing things that aren't as productive as say, you know, disking up your food plots, spraying, mowing, all the other kind of things that you have to do during the summertime or even during season for that matter. Uh, you want to be able to enjoy yourself and enjoy the wildlife and not spend as much time looking at the inside of a feeder. No doubt. I definitely try to enjoy myself when I go up there, but there is always so much to do. Anytime I can save time, especially not living on the property that's a benefit to me because that means I, I can get more done. Well, I'm battling with it now. When my I'm there. pigs are eating all my feet and my feed's sitting up there and Thomas and I need to get it and I can't, I don't have time to get up there and get it and refill my feeders. Right, right. Yeah. So it is a challenge and I could see the benefits of the, of the higher capacity for sure. How long can you expect it to last? You know, you, with the broadcast time feeder, you can really control it. So, you know, Hey, I'm going to set this. And I, like you were saying, six seconds producing this much feed, putting this much feed out. I'm setting that, you know, six times a day. I'm going to know I'm putting out this much per day. Is that really the idea? You know, so you, you look at this and you say, if I'm going to put out X amount per day, 30 pounds per day, and my capacity is 500 pounds, then I know how many days I'm going to get before I got to get up there and, and refill it. And you kind of match that to your ability to get to your property? Is that what a lot of folks do when they're choosing capacity or is it always just more is better? It's a little bit of both, to be honest with you. So if you're doing your due diligence and checking on your animals consistently, you'll you'll start to see, especially on camera pictures, if your feeder starts to go empty or does go empty, you'll start to see less movement around the feeder, typically speaking. Just as a colloquial example, uh, last year I have a couple of these uh, 600 pound mighty buck feeders, which is our best seller. I filled mine slap full 600 pounds the week before hunting season in Alabama started when it starts in the middle of October. I filled them up the week before and I didn't have to go in and fill anything up until the third week in January. And all I did was took two buckets for each feeder and filled them up with two buckets, which is about 
you know, 60 pounds of corn, maybe. And that was just to get through the last couple of weeks of, of the season. And um, I, I had no issues whatsoever. There was one time where, cause I buy my corn in bulk cause it's a little bit cheaper, uh, but I bought my, it's not as would be out of the bag. And, and there was one time where a piece of corn cob got stuck in the opening and I just took a screwdriver and pried that out and kept on rocking and rolling. When it comes to, you know, features on these feeders that kind of make life easier, we've talked about timing, you know, being able to set it out where it's not just constantly putting it out there. I've seen a lot of benefits on that from older style feeders all the way up to current, but I mean, are there any new features that are really making this easier? Oh yeah. One of the best parts about all of our uh, feeders, including our protein feeders is you don't really have to climb up into anything to fill them. So the tallest on my corn feeders is uh, 52 inches. So you can fill any of our fe- any of our corn feeders with both feet firmly on the ground, which you know increases safety. It, that doesn't really hurt your back quite as much. You're not uh, wobbly on a ladder or climbing in the back of a truck or back of a side by side or something like that. Another thing on the lid, it's got uh, some easy open shocks. And what those do is they hold the lid open. So whenever you open it, it's not slamming onto the other um, side and making a whole lot of noise, disrupting more wildlife. The other thing is inside the door is where the brain and the battery and everything are all located. The timer, the battery is all uh, mounted to the door. So when you're dumping your corn or, or feed or whatever into your uh, feeders, it's not going into a compartment that's not going to be used. It's, it's going directly into the hopper, which will eventually be, you know, either thrown out or dropped into the trough. So talking about, you know, we're talking about the different kind of stuff, the options out there. Clint's talking about from old to new. Uh, we're talking about my troughs. Obviously the hogs can get in it clearly. Yeah. But also it's, it's, I made it. 10 years ago it's two by fours and four right. by fours that i can drag Whatever scrap wood you had exactly it's got 10 it's turn it into a crappie reef here pretty soon absolutely that's what i need <laughs> to do with it so you know and that was you know 50 bucks worth of lumber probably on that one so there's a lot of variation in prices on these things i mean you can spend just about as much as you want to spend on these things um what are we getting whenever we move up to a product like yours kevin so uh one of the best features besides you know the fill height and the high capacity all of my feeders come on skids, so you can drag them wherever you want to. Uh, they'll all fit between the wheel wells of your trucks. So they're very easy to transport around if you have to drive down the highway or whatever to get them to your property. It'll fit between the wheel wells of your truck, and it, it, it it's easy to tie down, easy to get from point A to point B. Um, they're hog and raccoon proof. The way the mechanism on the bottom works, it's what's called the eliminator plate. And what happens is when the feeder is scheduled to go off, the battery just kicks off on the motor, the motor starts to spin and the plate drops down. When it drops down, all of your feed will come out. And then when it's done, when it starts to slow back down, it lifts back up. So if a raccoon tries to get in there to spin the uh, plate anymore to get any more corn or whatever it is out, it can't do that. And everything is welded on. Everything's made of steel. So everything's welded on. So if a pig comes in there and tries to knock that, the bottom of it off to get more corn out, it's not going to go anywhere. We also don't believe in those. You see them a lot of times on some some cheaper feeders. Uh, they call it a pest cage. It's just a piece of mess, a woven cage, and they put it on the bottom of it to keep squirrels and raccoons and stuff like that from hanging on the bottom and potentially ripping off the motor or the timer or whatever. The problem with those is whenever that feeder goes off, some of that corn is going to hit that cage. And if it hits the cage, it's going to drop straight down below your feeder. So if you've got pigs, you've got you know, them trying to get all that corn up, they're going to make a big mud hole. 
And if any corn goes into that mud hole in the next couple of days, the deer won't eat it because it gets wet and it gets gross. And then it can start to uh, grow things on it like alpha toxins, which can literally poison your deer, which is obviously something you don't want. If you ever have an issue with the grass and stuff getting stomped down around our feeders because they're on skids, you can just pull them uh, either with the side by side or if they're empty enough, which is with your bare hands to move them from point A to point B, just so they're not sitting in the mud anymore. You guys have put some thought into this, Kevin. Man, I was just thinking yeah. how we could incorporate a raccoon trap into that <laughs> right. little thing. Yeah, <laughs> like I need to take care of some of those too. Back, a yeah, raccoon, exactly. Or we could just like electrify, just zap them right off of that. But, you know, if I could control that with my phone, Kevin, would be great. And then we're now we're talking. Now we're talking. So we actually have, it's a new, it's fairly new. It's called the remote and it comes standard on our mighty midget feeders. So we've got a corn feeders and protein feeders, and it is essentially what you're talking about. So if you are sitting, let's say you're sitting all day cause it's the rut and you haven't, you don't have any corn out. Uh, you know, you had a, a pile of does come in early in the morning. They ate all the corn off the ground. You want some more to go off. You literally have a remote control. You can press that button. It'll throw some more corn out and you can press that button as many times as you want to, and it'll keep throwing now, as far as the cameras and stuff like that, you'd have to set those up separate. But if you need more corn to come out, it comes standard on those two models and I can get it put on any of the other models of, of feeders that we have. That's awesome. I, I just see myself sitting up there, refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> Never get anything done. <laughs> I haven't seen anything yet. Yeah. More corn, more yeah. corn. <laughs> what about longevity, Kevin? I have experienced part of my annoyance with feeding deer in the past has been maintaining feeders, you know, like I've had some plastic ones over the years and squirrels can chew through them. I've had ones up on tripods that hogs and bears have knocked Knock down oh, and, yeah. you know, it can be just, uh, honestly, it can be a, a source of unhappiness for me. Uh, but longevity is important too. Like we talk about on here a lot, a lot of times the, the cheaper option isn't necessarily the cheapest over time. What do y'all do as far as constructing these to make them last a long time and you know is there any kind of warranty on them yeah so um just like our blinds everything is made of steel and we choose steel uh just because it is a very strong durable material all of our feeders come with uh solar panels on them as well to keep the batteries they run off your standard 12 volt rectangular battery that just about all of them use uh, but they have those solar panels to keep those batteries charged as far as longevity is concerned I mean, I've got a couple of these. I haven't had to replace any kind of battery on it because the solar panel is doing the job. Warranty stuff, the timer itself uh, has a five-year warranty on it. The motor, uh, a warranty for a year. And then uh, I can't really do anything with the battery. But if anything else happens to go bad, I'm going to work with you as best I can just because that's all customer service and that's what I'm about. Kevin, like I said earlier, personally, I didn't grow up doing a lot of feeding, especially not, you know, with feeders. We might have gone out in the summertime and, you know, opened up a bag of corn here or there just to feed the deer, so to speak. It gave us a reason to run to the camp, but it wasn't something I did a lot of. My experience with feeders has come from being an adult in a state where it was legal. And and uh, I've, I've really kind of, it's been a source of frustration for me. But what I'm understanding from you is that if we're thinking about off-season feeding, where we want free feeding, we're going to choose more of a, a gravity style. In your case, it's a timed gravity style where it's gravity into a trough allows those deer to come get as much as they want uh, and really bolster their nutrition during that stressful period for them. Uh, but if we're wanting to hunting over a feeder, 
we're going to want something that's more of a timed broadcast style feeder. Is that is that kind of an accurate summarization of what we talked here about here today? Oh yeah, absolutely. The 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 broadcast what it what it does is it allows the the animals to be a little bit further away from your feeder, and that you know will obviously prevent accidents where you accidentally shoot your feeder. So if it's broadcasted away from your feeder, you know, then they can stand, you know, 10 feet away and they'll be eating corn or whatever. And then you have less chance of potentially putting holes in your feeder, which, you know, kind of defeats the purpose of uh, keeping all the water out. <laughs> yeah, I had not considered that angle, but uh, definitely a factor. Definitely be important. Shooting. You know, well, I did. Yeah. You know, grow, <laughs> growing up, I did run across some feeders during turkey season that had like pellet holes in them. And I never could understand what happened there. I don't know. Somebody had to investigate into that. But, uh, but you know, Kevin, uh, you've done a good job of summarizing all this and kind of breaking it down into what people might want to know and, and really think about if they're looking at different types of feeders out there on the market. There's definitely some design flaws in, in, in some of them that are important to consider. If folks want to get online, check you guys out, what all you offer. You do a lot more than just feeders, of course. Where can they go to get more information? Sure. I started a YouTube channel and I've done some um, essentially commercials. So if you go to YouTube and you search for Bruiser Farms, and that's B-R-U-S-E-R Farms, F-A-R-M-S, there'll be me smiling in a, in a green button-down shirt talking about all the different blinds and all the different feeders and stuff that we, we offer. We also have you know social media sites, Bruiser Farms on Instagram and Facebook. If you search for that, it'll come up. Uh, MB Ranch King at Bruiser Farms is uh, what it is on Facebook. There's also my personal page where I just talk about different things as far as the management side and um, the product side. And that's at MBRK Kevin on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we do all kinds of stuff to, to just try to help out everybody because at the end of the day, it's about enjoying the outdoors and enjoying the wildlife and spreading that to people beyond just us. And uh, if, if we don't do that, then we're definitely in trouble uh, in the future. Kevin, thanks for sharing your knowledge, man. We appreciate you coming back on with us. Yeah, man. It was a great time. I appreciate it. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Don't forget about our sponsors and make sure you support them when you're out in the marketplace. Great Days Outdoors magazine. If you're frustrated with typical hunting and fishing magazines and tired of reading content, then for guys that are up in the North or up in the Midwest, check out Great Days Outdoors magazine. Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't fish or hunt in your home state. You can pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and it will help you become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. Guys, I never thought there'd be really that much to think about when it comes to feeding a deer. But one, one of the things that stuck out to me about what Kevin was saying is I really like the fact that they are putting the amount of thought into these feeders to say, all right, we've got these skids where they'll fit between the wheel wells and your truck. That was what's really stood out to me is like, if they're taking the time to really think out the design of these things to that level, to make it easy as from start to finish, you know, they're, they're planning the more mainstream components that everybody thinks about in terms of keeping things dry and, and motors and, and lids. And I mean, all those things he was talking about on there are, are frustrations. I mean, just down to For something sure. simple like the lid. I mean, how many times have you, I've done this personally, taking a lid off of a feeder, filling it up by myself, get off the UTV, forget about the daggum lid back over it, mess up the lid. And first feeder, of all, the lid is all water. Oh yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter what time of 
that is always full of water. Yeah. So yep. there's so many little frustrations they've obviously thought about. I don't For know sure. what what stood what stood out to you, Butch. Uh, just a couple of problems that I'm having right now that I mentioned in the show. Not enough feed, honestly, yeah. and I'm too far away to be able to get up there and and uh, keep giving the deer what they need throughout the year. Also, something that stuck out to me was the solar panel thing. Um, I know both you guys probably run trail cameras, but that's one of the biggest pains in the butt with anything rised is changing the batteries, man. 30 days, it seems like, whenever I was running a couple of different kinds. Yeah. But, um, you got you know, plenty of feed and your battery goes dead. And now, guess right. what? Gotta, well, we, we picked up those barn trip. owls and that we put the solar panel bundle on those barn owl cameras. And I haven't touched the battery in, I don't even know, three months. I yeah. don't remember when I got them up, but that's a big problem solver for, for sure. How about you, Clint? Yeah. Hopper side. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not too far from me. It's the same battle on time. And, you know, the, having a big hopper size with timed, uh, releases uh, is a game changer for me. And then, you know, not having to mess with that battery, keeping it critter proof. Cause I've gotten some okay. really cool pictures through the years of raccoons doing, uh, being trespease artists to getting there to pull wires or, you know, get a little kernel of corn out that just breaks my whole feeder for the season. Right. And the other thing I was thinking about on the, you know, getting the skids between the wheel wells on the truck is, I mean, at today's fuel prices, not having to pull a trailer full of feeders all the way to your camp could, just about probably pay for a, a feeder true increase in miles per gallon on your truck from not having to yank around two or three hours. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And the ease of feed, you know, being able to use different feed sources, like Kevin was talking about, um, not having to buy the most expensive options you buy it in bulk and being able to go out there and fill them. Like I can think of times where I'm standing on the edge of a UTV bed or up on the roll bars and, you know, trying to hold a 50 pound sack yeah. of corn up over my head to get it in something up there and i mean you do that very much and they're like nah i'm not doing that anymore especially then, if it's by your, you're by yourself up there and you got to make a decision of am i going to go stand on the side of a slippery right. truck or utv bed and and hope i don't break my neck three hours from anywhere and with no cell service and nobody to help me right you know yeah. it, it it can make a difference in effectiveness and safety yeah. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the whole, like Kevin said, the whole idea is to get up there and have a good time. And if you're spending your time fighting feeders and fighting bags of feed, and that's just not fun. That's, that's not, that's not my idea of a fun weekend. So nope. it sounds like they got it sorted out yep. and not going anywhere anytime soon. Definitely good information from them. Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week. Just text the word hunting to 773 770 Four three seven seven. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list and wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you got a show topic that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Sunland Show is brought to you by Southern Seed and Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients for your deer? Check out Southern Buck. Your deer will love it. Visit their website, southernseedfeed.com, to find the dealer nearest you. And also by the Hunter's Bait Lowdown Trail Cam Reviewer. The Lowdown High Speed Trail Cam Viewer has flipping fast technology that allows you to view images three times faster on a screen that is 60% bigger than typical 7-inch viewers. Find out more at lowdownviewer.com. And also by Bucks Island Marine. Bucks Island is a full-service facility that sells new and used boats and motors. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And also brought to you by Boaters List. 
Motors List is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts all the way down to paddle boards and all things in between. Boaterslist.com will always strive to make it better on the water. And also by United Bank. United Bank supports our farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness. United Bank is building stronger communities every day. All loans subject to credit approval, equal housing opportunity lender, member FDIC.